Hello, and welcome. I'm so glad you could make it. We've been waiting for such a long time. We know who you are, but I suppose you would like a name for me. You can refer to me as the reader. And as the reader, I feel compelled to tell you exactly what it is you will find here. But this place is quite complicated. And I think it would be much easier just to tell you to look in your back seat. Look under the bed. Check the closet. Look in all those unsuspecting dark places that should be empty. And understand that from this day forward, they will not be. If you continue to listen, every unlit hallway, every darkened street, the deepest section of the woods untouched by light, will all be filled with unwanted things. I do hope you will enjoy them. I know we will enjoy your company. Our first story was written by Cameron Baker. We give you the wild's call. New Year's Eve. The single worst day of the year, Vince thought, putting the car in park and shutting off the engine. The childish optimism of the resolutioners, the depressing year-end review on social media, the new year, new me crowd. He found the whole thing to be a tremendous waste of time. From the alcohol abuse right down to the ball drop. Why can everyone just grow up and do cocaine like an adult? He laughed to himself, lighting one last cigarette while looking through the rain-spattered windshield. Had he remembered to shut off the windshield wipers? He turned the key far enough to turn on the accessories, and the wipers fired up immediately. So he shut them off. He had no idea how long he'd be in the woods and didn't want to risk them freezing to the windshield and getting damaged when he turned the car back on, so he thought he'd better get out and lift the wipers into an upright position. Sure, it wasn't freezing now, but this is December in Indiana, and you can't trust the weather any more than you can trust Brad to use that New Year's Resolution gym membership more than twice. Taking one last drag from the cigarette, Vince opened the door and stepped out of the car, expelling the nicotine and hydrogen cyanide-filled smoke from his lungs as he stood. Twenty-seven. Twenty-fucking-seven years old and not a damn thing to show for it, he thought, shutting the door. He could see his reflection in the laminated glass, and while it wasn't altogether unpleasant, it wasn't exactly anything to write home about either. Underneath a black knit beanie cap, Vince had shaggy brown hair. He never really liked it when it got this long, but... He also didn't like to take the time to get his hair cut, so it got this long quite frequently. He didn't care to grab a razor and shave his face all that often either, especially since he couldn't grow much of a beard anyways. His brown eyes stared through his purposely mundane glasses at his own reflection for a few moments longer, thinking maybe if he cared more about the small things, he would have more to show for... His thoughts were interrupted by a pain between his pointer and middle finger involuntarily dropping the cigarette butt he neglected to dispose of. Or maybe it's because you're a fucking idiot, Vince, he said to himself, looking over his fresh burn wounds as he adjusted the windshield wipers before walking to the trunk of the car. Once he got there, his self-evaluation was confirmed, as he realized he had forgotten to pop the trunk while he was still in the car. Closing his eyes and letting out a sigh of frustration, he grabbed the keys from his pocket, opened the trunk, and fetched his gear. 
Throwing the patch and button-covered backpack over his shoulder, he started walking down the road towards the downed portion of fence he had spotted, pulling the knit cap over his ears as he went. He didn't bother to lock the car. The car itself, nor any of the items that held, would be enticing enough to steal. Plus, if the owner of these woods found an unlocked car parked by the gate ominously marked, trespassers will be shot, they might not view him as a threat, and let him leave with a warning and not a gunshot wound. Probably not, but an artist can dream. It had been a few months, but he drove by here on the way to a concert, and when he glimpsed the man-made lake through the rows of evergreens meant to conceal its beauty from passers-by, he knew it would be a great place to find some inspiration. Or, a place to avoid of cell phone reception, perfect for avoiding any and all invites to New Year's parties. Perhaps it was both. The impromptu entryway wasn't far from where he was parked, so the walk alongside the trash-littered ditch didn't take long. But when he got there, he saw tire tracks leading from the road over the fence and into a clearing. The tracks were much closer together than any car or truck he could think of, so he thought they must be on an ATV. He was far from a tracker or a mechanic, but the tracks definitely had to be from a four-wheeler, and they didn't look fresh. With leaves and debris covering portions, he felt it was safe to assume he would be alone in the woods. So he stepped over the fence and walked through the evergreens into a small clearing. The evergreens were at least ten feet tall and about eight feet wide making a makeshift privacy fence around the property. Their grayish-green foliage contrasted with the dormant woods beyond the small clearing, apart from the few that seemed to have died, and instead of forming a lush green wall in front of the road, left a brittle window into a large patch of natural beauty. To the left of the entrance was an old wooden picnic table. It had been here for some time, but it still looked sturdy. He could see a few trail cams in the woods from here, and imagine this area was either used as a rendezvous or a place for permitted hunters to clean their prize. He walked to the table, removing the bag from his shoulders, and placed it on the wood with a soggy thump. The bag was old, and didn't always open smoothly, so he gripped it with his left hand, and with a few rough jerks on the zipper with his right hand, it reluctantly opened. He reached for a cigarette package, although there were no cigarettes inside. The devil's lettuce, his father had always called it. He probably meant that to be a deterrent, but honestly it only made him want to smoke it more, and Vince still called it that just to get a chuckle out of his friends. The cardboard of the cheap package was fragile, and it flattened amongst the rest of the items in the bag. But inside, an old scratched black lighter and three hand-rolled joints sat undisturbed. He lightly shook the package so that one of the joints slid out far enough for him to grab it between his lips. After lighting it, he gave the lighter a few shakes and tried to listen for how much fluid it had left. Didn't sound like much but it should be enough for the rest of his inspiration. He inhaled a hit from the joint and let the smoke out of his mouth slowly with his eyes closed, letting out a pleated sigh. This was exactly what he needed. No buzzing of cell phones on bar tops. No pop songs blaring through cheap stereo systems. Just the sound of what was left of the rain dripping through the tree limbs onto the saturated carpet of leaves beneath them. The smell of the rain mixed with the peaty scent of the fallen foliage would probably bother some people, but not Vince. He finished the joint and shook his head. People don't know what they're missing. Placing the rest of the devil's lettuce back in the bag, he removed a flat, rectangular aluminum pencil case and placed it on the table. Inside were several graphite pencils of different grades and a sharpener. He grabbed one and tested the point, and after making a satisfied sound, placed it behind his ear. After putting the case back in the bag, he retrieved a sketch pad, placed it under his arm, and zipped the grudging bag shut. With his inspiration achieved, he threw the bag over his shoulders once again and walked towards the end of the clearing. The trees in the woods were all spaced far enough apart that there wasn't an obvious footpath, but as he got closer he realized that something had scratched an arrow into the trunk of a large beech tree, 
indicating a trail. His main goal, besides maintaining as much distance from confetti and champagne bottles as possible, was to find a lake that he saw through the trees, and this trail seemed to be the most likely way to find it. Walking to the edge of the woods, he ran his hand along the smooth gray bark of the ancient beech tree, thumbing the old arrow that had been roughly etched into its flesh before stepping onto the path. He could now see the trail under all the fallen leaves, but the arrows would still be helpful. After taking only a few steps, he stopped, staring at a tree about twenty feet to the left of the marked path. Unlike the arrows, this tree had a fresh-looking carving on its side, only it wasn't an arrow. He stepped a little closer, and he could tell that it was a carving of a dog or a coyote of some sort. The dark, rough bark must have been a difficult canvas to work with, but the carving looked clean and smooth, unlike the arrows along the trail. It wasn't exactly what he had come for, but... It was interesting, and seemed as good a place to start as any, so he grabbed his pad and began sketching. The rain had stopped some time ago, but the occasional raindrop still fell from the branches of the sleepy forest, so Vince huddled over the sketch pad to protect it from the aqueous assailants. The woods around him were quiet, save for the occasional creaking of an old tree and the purposeful scratching of his pencil against the stark white cartridge paper. He started with the animal carving in the tree, and planned to work outwards. The smell of wet leaves and graphite filled his lungs, and he found it intoxicating but he was struggling to transfer that rush of endorphins to paper, so he turned the page and started anew. After a few more attempts, the point of his pencil had been considerably dulled, so he pulled a small sharpener from his rarely washed brown skinny jeans and gave the pencil a few twists until its point had been replaced. With each new sketch, he had almost unconsciously moved closer to the tree and the carving until he was standing just a foot from it. His focus was off, and he hoped the closer vantage would help him pull it together. The sounds of trees bending and flexing and his pencil scratching at the sketch pad remained the only sounds in the woods, but he almost thought he could hear a slow, whistled tune, like the wind trying to piece together a song it couldn't quite remember. Although it wasn't his intention, he had drawn the canine figure much larger and rougher this time. Instead of a small mark on a tree in the beautiful forest, the carving had become the large, angry focal point of the entire page. He'd have to start again. What began as a warm-up was becoming an all-consuming nuisance, what he had to finish before he could move on. Hastily ripping the thick sheet of paper from the notebook's aluminum coils, the paper tore unevenly, leaving a small portion of the page attached to the right side of the rings that held the book together. Normally, that would bother him to no end, but he had more important things to do, so he crumpled the page absent-mindedly and tossed it to the forest floor, which is quite a torturous thing to do, if you think about it tossing the soiled and wasted remnants of what was undoubtedly once a proud tree down to the soggy ground, forced to look up at its ancestors, reminded of the life that had been ripped from it as it had been ripped from the book, through no fault of its own, of course. For it wasn't the artist. It wasn't the paper's fault that the image scratched on its surface didn't match the mood and vision in the artist's mind. And the trees, they were forced to look down at what could easily become their own fate should any human choose it to be so. No real purpose other than to chase nutrients and sunlight and soil. No matter how tall they should grow or how long they stand, they will eventually find themselves running on the ground, becoming the host for other life forms to leech from as it had from the world around it. Not unlike humans, they too led an utterly futile existence, one that had only one true goal, one true direction, the ground. As these flots flooded Vince's mind, the forest had found the song it had tried so hard to remember, and it now burned in his ears. Whereas before... The song felt like a whisper between the slow drops of rain and groans of trees. The song now felt like the roar of a tidal wave crashing into his ear canals and exiting through his fevered lips in the form of a whistle. he never heard such a song, nor had he ever felt possessed such as he was by any melody. And even though he couldn't tell you how it progressed, it came to him as needed, flowing without effort from his lips in a perfect key. 
as if it was a song that he'd known his entire life. He walked and whistled and scratched pencil against paper, starting over and over again, paying little attention to where the song was taking him, both on and off the page. It was his hand guiding the pencil, but even as the stacked graphite molecules slid from the tip of his pencil and onto the stark white paper, he no longer had control over what form they would take once they got there. And although it was his feet trudging through the sodden forest floor, over dampened layers of leaves and sticks and mud, he no longer had control of his destination, and he was fine with that. Step, scratch, rip. Step, scratch, rip. The process continued for some time, but Vince hardly noticed. He was consumed with his work. Step, scratch, rip. Step, scratch, rip. Vince was no longer whistling. The sound in his ear now was more akin to the loudspeakers at a concert than a whistled tune. He felt his chest reverberating and his eyes closed in pain as he clapped both hands over his ears without letting go of the pen or pad. All at once, the song stopped. The only sound his ears now found was that of his own deep, rushed breath. He could feel sweat sticking to his clothes and matting his shaggy brown hair to his forehead and hat. Looking around, he noticed he must have been walking, because he was in another clearing, with a trail of discarded sheets of paper trailing into the now silent forest. The forest felt much bigger now and not near as calm as it had before. In fact, it almost felt malignant, as if it was looking at him from every direction at once, judging and laughing at him, growing every time he turned his head and suffocating him in thick, green, impenetrable walls of thorns and trees. He felt infinitely small and meek in the maw of this Eden-turned beast, and yet he felt a calmness enter his mind. This was a natural feeling, this fear, the fear of the unknown, of being alone of predators lurking just beyond sight. That was much more natural than the fears of the natural world he left this morning, to find the solitude here in the woods, away from the ignorant, self-serving nature of the human race. This was everything and nothing. Here in an isolated forest lie the universe, seemingly empty, save for him. Finally, slowing his breath and turning his attention to the sketchbook in his steadying hands, he took in a grim surprise. Every page had been ripped from its place in the book, save for one. And on that page was something much more macabre than he normally sought to put on paper. What had once been a deer was ripped to shreds, limbs and flesh spread in different unnatural positions, with organs and blood spreading beneath the lifeless corpse. Its head was twisted unnaturally, with its tongue ripped from its resting place between the creature's jaws. Even the style itself was not his own. His normally calm, purposeful strokes had been replaced with a raw, scratched intensity even tearing into the page at some points. It was only then he noticed the coppery smell of fresh blood, and he moved the pad so it was no longer obscuring the carcass that laid at his feet. As in the drawing, the cadaver had been ripped apart, and it didn't appear that it had been done for sustenance, but in an intentionally cruel way, much more like the crimes found in human civilization than usually found in nature. Lifting his sight from the macabre mess at his feet, he could now see that the clearing appeared to have gotten smaller, and the trees around him towered above, obstructing the sky from his vision, and a perfectly neat carving of a canine-like form sat on each tree about eye level, and the song was now screaming into his ears. But it felt like a calm, soft voice guiding him gently to an unknown destination. It was now a deep, commanding call to do what had to be done. Sweat burned in his unblinking eyes and dampened the shirt on his back. The beating of his heart now grew faster and faster as he contemplated his current uselessness in this world this world that cared nothing for him, or even for itself. 
The sound of the forest song now pounding in his ears so loudly, he thought he would surely soon be deaf. But it continued to grow louder, its wordless message becoming clearer. Grasping the wood and lead pencil between the fingers of both hands and applying pressure to its center, he snapped the pencil in two, discarding the piece in his left hand. The near-deafening sound had now grown so loud it vibrated in his chest and the forest felt as far away as the bustling streets and booze-filled halls in the city. The celebration of something as ridiculous as the passing of time felt more asinine and meaningless than ever now, and he longed for the next stage of his existence, beyond the mortal coil, to be enveloped and consumed by the infinite and constantly expanding universe. The pencil that had once been guided by his hand was now guided by the thundering melody of the woods, and the paper replaced with his now inadequate skin prison. The pencil dug deep into his wrist as he dragged it slowly from his wrist down his arm, leaving splinters in the gushing divide until it snapped a second time. The tears of pain and joy that had formed in his eyes ran down his face as he stared at the tool of his failed suicide attempt, his failed salvation. Thoughts of how to proceed were interrupted by a tearing pain behind his knees and ankles, and he found himself face down in mud and guts. He could now feel several sets of sharp teeth and claws ripping at his flesh pulling him apart like an excited child opening a birthday present. The commanding voice in his ears now had grown so loud the entire world shook like a house waging a war with an oncoming tornado or a roller coaster ripping through a narrow tunnel. He was almost there now, the other side of the tunnel. As a smile turned up one side of his mouth, he gurgled his last words. Happy fucking New Year, blood spitting from his dying lips. The Wilds Call the song, the wind, and the trees it passed through disappear with Vince's last breath. The ground-shaking melody replaced with raindrops against soft, damp earth. His body grew cold and still, and so did the forest. His attackers leaving as quickly as they had come. Nightfall would soon arrive, taking Vince piece by piece to his destiny, his coalescence with the universe around him, finally ridding himself of the trivial nature of human existence, though neither the woods or the creatures he fed would offer him a second thought. He would be in death as he lived. Insignificant. You see, the wild, unknown, untouched parts of this world that came before, after, and exist during, they do have a voice. To some, it's a calm, soothing voice heard in the leaves blowing in the wind, a source of beauty and adoration. And others, it's a soul-shattering shout to no longer admire, but to coexist with the inescapable emptiness of time. Be careful. Should you listen? Should you hear that song? One never knows how a melody can touch one's soul. Unwanted Things is a horror anthology podcast, and if you liked what you heard, help us grow. Please, tell a friend, share us on social media, and let us know what you thought. We look forward to hearing from you. And even if we don't, I promise you, you'll be hearing from us very soon.